Hi, I'm Kendra Rogers, and this is another episode of Paper Napkin, a podcast about connection. Each episode, we connect with someone who themselves is a brilliant connector. And if you've been following along, you'll know that this very quickly went global. But we're headed back to my hometown for this interview with the effervescent Jill. Jill Belland and I met years and years ago when I approached her at an event she was emceeing. The most magnetic person in the room, she drew the attention and awe of the crowd and gave the headline speaker a run for her money. Confidence, grace, and kindness radiated from Jill. I'm so glad I approached her because she's been a mentor and friend to me ever since, for nearly a decade. Jill spent 16 years as an acclaimed television host and broadcaster for MTV Canada, A-Channel, and City TV. She won numerous awards during her broadcasting career and was named Best TV Host by the Alberta Motion Picture Industry three times. Today, Jill is an award-winning entrepreneur and co-founder of Barbell Inc., a boutique fitness studios and online workouts community. They really have created such an incredible community at Barbell, and I think that's just one area in which Jill really thrives when it comes to connection. This conversation is really special. She really opens up and shares a lot of vulnerability around her experiences through COVID as a business owner and just as a human. So I really look forward to sharing it with you. Jill, thank you so much for joining me on Paper Napkin. It is a pleasure. The very first question that I always ask to our guests is what do you do and why? And I'm especially curious about the why. The why is an interesting aspect to that question for sure, because it definitely has roots in the history of my career. And that basically originated from a place that we were interested in empowering women and empowering young women and creating something of our own to employ and give a space for women. And that was partially born out of the career that I had in television and In all honesty, that was a very exciting and very grateful that I had the 16 years in TV. However, there were aspects to what was going on in television at the time and currently that I disagreed with. When I was in contract negotiations, it was right in the thick of the Me Too movement. There was a big, big pay disparity between myself and my male counterparts. And I just got to the point where I thought I'm going to have to create something on my own if I want to realize my own worth and the worth of other women who could come along for the journey. And so my partner and I, outside of that, there was a competitive edge that we felt that we had. We were uh, really obviously passionate and motivated by the product and by health and wellness and by creating a shared experience that was a conduit to a health and wellness benefit for the women that came to our studios. And so there were a lot of check marks when it came to, to the why, but I would say when I really dial down to the root of why we do what we do, it's to create an empowering experience for women and to create women that are stronger, not only in their physical lives, but in their personal lives. I do feel that those things are, are greatly connected. And I feel that more and more strongly, particularly after this past year, in that we had to revisit that time and time again, because when you're kind of in your living room trying to recreate an experience and you're not getting that immediate feedback, you have to dial back into the, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? I do think that when you're 
operated in your own space and you're by yourself for most of the time, even though you're sharing time through screens and you're getting feedback through social media or direct messages, comments, emails, the visceral experience of that in real life studio where you can see people getting the benefit and you hear immediately that you get that instant feedback that people feel stronger, they feel better, they're doing something positive for themselves. You don't get the same thing when you're online and you're in front of a camera on your own. So you have to be, I think, especially connected to knowing that what you're doing is having a positive effect on people that are interacting with your product or interacting with your brand or interacting with, with what we're doing. We do hear feedback all the time and it definitely is, it's not a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation. And we do try to solicit feedback as much as possible because that keeps us grounded in what we're doing. And, you know, we do hear stories all the time, which is always incredible to me about women that change their lives by starting a fitness program. But if you think about that, it just goes beyond looking better or feeling stronger, I think creates a sense of value and a sense of purpose and a sense of worth. It creates structure in a day. It makes you a more balanced and connected person from mind to body. And with that, our, our why has become stronger in a way because we've also had the opportunity to reach more people than we ever could in four walls. So we like to think of it as something that is limitless versus something that was sort of had a glass ceiling on it. And at the point where COVID happened, where lockdown happened, we were running up against those challenges. How do we expand beyond what we can do in four walls? How can we become bigger? And that's where this online video component was introduced. So yeah, I mean, our timing and the launch of the online product was, it couldn't have been better. We were very, very lucky that we had the timing that we did, that we launched this platform 10 days before there was shutdown and people were looking for things to do in their homes that would make them feel good. Well, and I imagine looking for that sense of community and connection, right? Like, especially in the COVID world, but I think even before that, actually, what I saw barbell as offering was a sense of community. And I think you spoke about this idea of changing your life with a fitness program and all of the benefits behind that. But I think what maybe makes barbell and the bell bod unique is that you've created a really strong community around that and a place that feels very welcoming and inclusive and, and sort of the table that you'd want to sit at. And I know that that's something that's intentional, or I imagine that's something that was intentional, but I'm curious about how you think you captured that magic. The community piece was a surprise to us, to be honest. When we started from scratch, we knew we wanted this female empowerment piece, but we created a product and a program that we knew filled a gap that we saw was missing in female group fitness. And this was something that I had been studying and traveling to Los Angeles and New York and some of the largest markets in the world. And I just thought that there was a gap in these programs and bar programs, Pilates and female group fitness that wasn't really encapsulating 
everything in one program. So it was sort of like, you'd have to go to spin to get your cardio and maybe you were doing Pilates to get your strength and you were piecemealing things together and paying for a bunch of different things. But the reality is, is in like a true ballet program, which is my background and is linked to my creative expression and is definitely in my heart and soul. You have the strength and the cardio components blended together. And so when we put those two things together and put it on a fitness program that was approachable for any fitness level, that was number one. So that created curiosity, I think, for people because it actually was a program that did affect physical change, which is your sort of superficial objective, I think, when you walk into a studio. You don't necessarily walk into a studio and think like, here, this is the place where I'm going to make friends. You walk into a fitness program thinking that there's something physically that, I, that I'm looking to get out of this. So that was number one. The, the second piece about community was that this shared experience and conversation and movement and women that were coming to class but staying after and creating friendships that went beyond the four walls and beyond class through talking about their shared experience and how how much they love the program and how much they love the experience that part came second and then it was really i think the gel that held our community together because people were so strongly attached not only to each other and to the brand but to the benefit that was a collective experience so it wasn't just, it became it went beyond the individual i guess I remember reading when CrossFit was a really big thing about how CrossFit had become the new church. And it really was like barbell became the scheduled appointment, what made you accountable, what gave you your sense of purpose, what allowed you to carve out time for yourself. And it became that sort of routine accountability, social system that I don't actually think that women necessarily create for themselves. Men are very good at doing that, at doing golf trips and beers and buddies and hockey leagues, but there's not really like a beer league for ballet dancers or for the, the things that I connected to when I was in my teens and 20s. I think that we created something that was an appointment for people, but it also gave them so much more because they had these relationships that sustained and build. And that was really, I mean, to our, we're so, so grateful that we had those strong communities because that's what got people to sign up for the online. It was that feeling of being together, even though people weren't together, they felt like they were experiencing the same thing and they were able to communicate that in different ways. I think it's so interesting because there's the, the theory of like the third space, right? So you have your home and you have your work and then what is your third space? And I think that what you've done is tap into the third space as a barbell or the bellbot as being that place that people are wanting to spend their time. And like you say, that sort of naturally connects to their lives and becomes a really valued part of the routine. But I actually want to sort of take a step back because you've been speaking about we and the organization. And I think that makes sense because you are an entrepreneur because you work so hard on it. But I'm really curious about Jill as an entrepreneur, but also Jill as, you know, a ballet dancer, a creative. You mentioned that that's where your heart and soul is. And you touched on this a little bit initially, but why do you think that 
you've ended up where you've ended up when it comes to your journey? Is that a result of, of your upbringing, of your, your love of ballet? How's that, how's that manifested? I think the arts have always been an integral part of my life. It started with music and that was classical piano and it moved into dance, which was my choice, which was what I really aimed to do. I made a deal with my mother that I would finish the piano syllabus. And when I was done the piano syllabus that I would be allowed to take dance class because I just think that I have this, for me, it's like, emotion needs a vehicle and the vehicle is the body. And when those things are connected, everything is more connected in, in life. And I, I get that from that, that expression that is physical, but for me, it's also meditative. So some people may run, some people may spin, some people like to dance, some people like to lift weights. And I always say like, if you do what you love, that is, that lives within you that you need you look forward to because then you'll do it all the time and that love of movement and love of dance was always there always always for me it was just something that I always loved and in a way television happened by accident because it was an audition that got me into MTV at the time I was going through the dance program I was still dancing I was at the point in my life where I was in my early 20s I was realizing like this probably isn't going to be a career that I'll be able to do professionally and really have any kind of longevity or be able to make money for a long time at it. And so I was trying to kind of negotiate the two things, like have this creative access to the arts, but also have a career doing it. Television ended up being that for me for a really long time. I think that I always had a connection to fitness and to physicality. And I tried so many different things like marathon running. I would set goals for myself, but it wasn't until I found bar practice that I was ignited again from that. I think that love of like movement to music. And I think that that's what people feel when they do. I think that's why soul cycle blew up so much because it is this sort of repetitive thing that you're doing together. But when you're moving together, you feel like you have this collective experience and really there's nothing like that. I loved what you said about emotion needing a vehicle and the vehicle being the body. I loved what you said about movement and and how it feels like a communal thing. I think those are really beautiful ways of, of articulating the connection that you have with yourself and your body, but also with the people around you. How do you connect? What I have sought out the most recently is connection with myself, because if I'm connected to myself, I can have a greater connection with others. And I've really, really focused on that because I think it's become so clear, particularly when you eliminate all of the luxuries and things we took for granted before we didn't have them. When you take away anything external as being the reason for your happiness, you are left with finding that for yourself. I really studied and read, and I've signed up for courses to help myself really dial in that connection with myself. And the more connected I am to myself, and that can be through simple things like meditating, I took up a meditation practice, the better I am towards everyone in my life. And the more centered you are, and I also think the more you attract people that are in the same vibe, 
that's the law of attraction, right? Like attracts like, and I totally believe that. These are all things that I knew intellectually, but I think that there was a pocket of time that I really lost that alignment with mind and soul. Because it's very easy to get heady and to create reasons why you may be unhappy or dissatisfied or have a complaint about the way the world is right now. There are a lot of reasons. But what would happen if you didn't have that complaint? What if we only have this? What if everything external goes away? You only have age and beauty and things for a certain amount of time. But when that all goes away, what do you have left? Will you have your connection with yourself? If you can't find that peace and knowingness that everything will be okay on your own, you'll always be scrambling to try to find it elsewhere. So I think that connection to self, to like authentic self and deeper self has probably been the most important work that I've done this year. It also elevates, I think, everything else that I'm able to present forward in what we do, right? Like what I'm doing as a job. It makes me, I think, more empathetic and insightful and able to create that, I guess, knowingness and seeing people even though you can't see them. Because everyone's really on their own journey and everyone encounters the same struggles, but the more dialed in you are to yourself, the better you are for everybody else. You spoke about losing alignment with your mind and soul. Was that something that you were conscious was happening? Was there a moment that you felt to yourself, like I need to reconnect? What, what did that feel like? I think that just, there were so many challenges that kept on getting thrown in our path that I had, you know, I had to find a way to see what good was coming through. Otherwise I would have been in the gutter. I would have been in a deep depression. I would have like, things would have affected me emotionally much differently. And so to find that place of stillness was essential, I think, to survival. I think it was like survival was the great motivator. And I do think I naturally have a positive outlook on life, but I needed to find that, that peace of mind, despite everything that was being thrown in our path that could have potentially been emotionally and financially debilitating. Because if you approach a problem in a way that is a what good can come out of this situation? What will be revealed that I cannot see yet? What is on the other side of this? What gifts are waiting on the other end of all of this? Because there will be big gifts and there already have been. I mean, if we focus on the success that we've had in this last year, and I would say it's not necessarily accidental, right? Because it's like preparedness meets opportunity. We have a lot of things that we can celebrate despite the fact that other things have fallen away. I think it was very easy to spin my wheels and get up in my head about all of the things that were going wrong instead of trying to realign the things that were going right and the things that could come out of all of this and be better than how they were in the past. I really love that a, as a person, as a business owner who has made your 
business centered around movement and activity, you've, you turned to stillness for survival and found the benefit in that as well. I think that's such a beautiful balance and such a necessary lesson as well in the, in the need for that balance and the need for that listening to yourself first as the first priority, especially when things get tough. Yeah. I try to, I think of it more now as a productivity tool because it makes me more, it gives me a greater sense of purpose. It makes me uh, more focused. It gives me the ability to have structure in my day. It isn't like I meditate and I'm this little like bliss bunny for the rest of the day. You have to work on those things too, but the stillness and the practice of carving new ideas out in your mind allows you the opportunity to respond versus react. It just, it kind of slows everything down. It makes everything, you're able to see the big picture a little more clearly. And that I think was like, that had to happen. I don't think that I'm alone. I think that a lot of people had to go within for the reason of survival to, you know, really be able to come out of this and, and be a stronger person, not be weakened by having essentially, a, you know, life as we know it be taken away or put on pause. That stillness, it's very easy to busy yourself and to scramble and to have mentations that are repetitive. So I had to create new ways of thinking and new ways of being. You're so right. And I think constantly moving, constantly doing things mentality was something that collectively we had to take a moment and take a step back from. Mm -hmm. I think one of the other things that we took a step back from was obviously the physical connection. And I wondered what your thoughts were around fostering connection in a world that does feel increasingly virtual and digital. I wonder if we'll have a complete backlash against that. We've seen the cancel culture and that is real. I, even in my own social media, have seen the engagement change. And I have made specific decisions of how I consume social media and when I consume social media and how much I allow myself to be in there. I made a resolution to stop scrolling and start reading. And discussing ideas with people rather than potentially sitting in the same room with someone and just tapping around on your phone separately. It's like we've all, we've all been there. Right. And I think that it's more satisfying and it's definitely deepened my connections. Even I would say my connections with my sister and my mother and some of my best friends that will read the same books or will share songs or will share experiences instead of memes and tagging each other and DMing each other, because I think that, that is a little bit of a slippery slope. It doesn't necessarily advance relationships, right? I mean, it can, it can be a super powerful tool, but I just think that it needs to exist in a, in a space that's compartmentalized. I love your suggestions though, of, of taking things sort of offline, even as you might have to be using virtual tools to connect, right? I imagine you're not seeing your mother or your sister necessarily in person all the time or your friends, given the world as it is, but that you can take time to do something offline, like read a book or listen to a song and then come back and share that instead of spending all of the time online, probably again, coming back to that idea of balance feels like a nice 
in between where you're not overwhelmed by the constancy that is the virtual world. I just got tired of the scroll and it never made me feel better. I wasn't being productive. I wasn't really learning anything. It but has a built-in comparison to others and that's not necessarily the healthiest thing either. But having said that, and it's basically like it's the space where our business lives right now. So we have to exist in there. We have to, we have to exist on that platform and we have to communicate with people in that way. I just think it needs to be in a more controlled and compartmentalized manner because otherwise it is very easy to just suck time away by not and not really accomplish anything. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be intentional in the use of, of these digital technologies. Intention deficit disorder. Yeah, it, it seems like that's a, a common conversation these days is that people feel that their attention is lacking or that the world is, is constantly vying for it, our attention, I think, and in a way that it wasn't 15, even 10 years ago. I think that does make a big impact too on how we connect and the types of meaningful connections that we have, because you can have thousands of people who are responding to your story or commenting on your picture and, or hundreds or tens, but that's still way more people than you would probably interact with on any given day in a Mm -hmm. world that was pre-technology. Yeah, that's totally true. And I was thinking about when I stopped reading and I honestly think it's when I started getting on Facebook and when I started texting more than anything else. But I I know that it's a necessary means of communicating and connecting with people, particularly now. And I do think that there is a great upside to it. But I think I'm more thoughtful about what kind of content I put out there and having a reason behind it, having it be something that is maybe offer something that people can learn or offers something that can be inspiring versus just like, it's very easy to be kind of a fitness figure and make it just about the physical, but it can be about more than that. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. It's a, it's a journey. I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does, what does meaningful connection look like to you? I think that has to be about when you can really see someone without necessarily seeing them, when you can be with someone and have that knowledge of each other without necessarily having words or in-person contact. I have meaningful connection with my sister and I haven't seen her in two years. And we just constantly share ideas or check in with each other. It's that inner knowing of someone else's soul. I guess that's what makes it meaningful. Or shared experience can create meaning too. I feel like I've made meaningful connection with people that I barely know. Just because you've maybe affected them greatly or somehow been a catalyst for change within them or vice versa. I think that can be meaningful too. And you touched earlier on the fact that you've been reading a lot more and you sent over some of the books 
that are your favorite. And I always love when people respond with a whole bunch of books, which you did. (laughs) (laughs) And some books I really enjoy on this list. One of the books that you mentioned was Dreamwork by Mary Oliver. And I don't know why Dreamwork is one of my favorite as well. And Mary Oliver's poetry is just, I love so much. I don't know why I wouldn't have associated you with it or I would have, but I, that one to me sort of stood out and I was curious to know a little bit more about why you love it. I think that it's the journey. It's that, that poem resonated with me this year so deeply. I would read it and I would send it to people because I think it has to do with finding your own voice and finding peace within yourself. And I just think that that has been so relevant for so many people. And it was, my mom actually sent it to me and she wrote as a testament to your courage. This was when we were going through the decision-making process of having to close the studios down and having to, you know, reimagine what the company was going to be all together it struck me to the core and I've shared it with so many people. It's something that I revisit. It's something that's been relevant to me this year. Uh, and, and I think it's something that I, I speak as a, as a woman who found peace in her life. I feel like it's been relevant for me particularly this year. I love that. And I love, there's something to this, Jill, the finding peace within yourself and the conversations we've been having. And I always love these conversations with you, but I, we've known each other for quite a long time. And I've always seen you as a very connected person, you know, lots of people and you're always interacting with people and doing things and, and helping others to grow. But it really is exciting to see the growth that you have experienced in yourself this year. And it does feel like a bit of a different Jill sitting in front of me, but I can't quite put my finger on it, but I guess it is that finding peace within yourself piece to it. Yeah. I think that I had a lot of distractions around me for a very long time. And when you take those distractions away, what is left being someone who was a public figure for basically my entire adult career. And when I left that career, I was concerned that I would have an identity crisis. I was worried that I would not not have my footing and not know who I was. And because I had this other business that I found so meaningful and was getting so much purpose out of, I didn't really experience that. But now in this past year, not having any sort of hooks or distractions or external things validating or telling me who, who I am, I had to rediscover that. I mean, or maybe discover it for the first time. I'm not sure. I think I've always had a curiosity about connection, attraction, energy, what is beyond the physical. And so I've always sought out educators in those fields. And I've always sought out information and I've always connected with that type of material. So even I put the vortex on, on that book list, which is kind of funny because I read it for the first time, got forever ago. It was suggested to me as like, it was the precursor to the secret. It was pre the secret. And it's kind of a strange book, but it does talk about your vibe attracts your tribe and it breaks down exactly how from an energetic perspective. And so I revisit that book all the time. I go back in and read passages all the time. If I feel like I'm sort of disconnected or need to come back to the things that I know to be true. If I need those reminders, 
I've always had a curiosity about it. And I think I've always been a seeker. That's always been there, but without these kind of like bells and whistles and attachments to things or people that are interesting, I had to find that for myself. It goes back to what you said at the very beginning of our conversation around finding your authentic self, right? And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like the step that you made to move into barbell and how, and creating that space was a, was a great step towards that authentic self from, you know, television, which you were brilliant at. There's no denying that, but, but if what you're doing now is filling that passion, and then if now you've had the space to actually really dig into, I guess it's who we all are when there's no one else in the room. And, and now in this world, that is, all the more clear than it ever was before. A hundred percent. I mean, I think the closer, the, the stronger that connection is, the more healing and interesting you are to others as well. You've always been a great advice giver and you've given a lot of great advice even in this conversation. What is one piece of advice that you often pass on to others? Lately, it's do it anyway. That's a Mel Robbins. I'll give her credit for that, but it's funny because it was something, it's something that I've kicked around in my head a lot. And that is action over everything. You can sink yourself into nothing. <laughs> the reality is, is in life, you are going to encounter hard decisions. And usually if you weigh one side versus the other, they both have challenging aspects to them, but Sometimes you just have to do hard things anyway. Growth doesn't come without challenge. And so I think when you look at like even personal relationships, people say relationships are hard. Well, maybe they're not, maybe they're not, but maybe there are certain decisions about how you are within relationships that might be challenging for you, but that challenge is where you will grow. Otherwise you stay the same. And if you're not growing, you're stagnant. So I think this, like this, this just do it anyway, even despite the fact that it's hard, there will always be good things and rewards that will reveal themselves that you may not know. And it reminds me what you just said, that things will be hard, but there will be rewards. Reminds me of another book that you mentioned on your list, which was Untamed and the We Can Do Hard Things. You yeah. are the epitome of that, I think. And Barbell has been the epitome of that over the last year. You've done, and, and before last year, you know, you've done hard things, you've carved something out and you've done it with grace. Thank you. It hasn't always felt graceful. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm just a particularly willful person and in my mind, there really is, there's no other option. There's no other option. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up. I would find a way. And there's always a way. There's always a solution to a problem. And it's just a matter of finding that solution. And sometimes you just can't see it. And so when we were problem solving, we would, I mean, my, my business partner and I would have these discussions at length and and the reality is, is the anxiety comes from trying to predict the unknown and creating situations that don't necessarily exist. But the fact is, is that there is always going to be a correct solution to a problem. 
And if you can't see it, it just means it hasn't revealed itself yet. It will always reveal itself. And then in those moments, you just need to find that stillness and sometimes wait. And sometimes waiting is uncomfortable, but that's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. My dad uses an analogy because he's into sailing about reading the tides. And sometimes when the water is choppy, you have to wait for the tide. And then when the tide goes out, you can see things more clearly. And so, you know, that's my dad. So it makes me emotional, but sometimes you just have to wait for, sometimes you have to wait for the water to still. It has definitely not been a smooth sail of a year, but I can see that we've, we've been on the right path. We've done the right thing. We've done the right thing. And it proves itself over and over again. I Beautiful advice from your father and a beautiful message overall. And I think, you know, what you have created what you and Christy have built is such a testament to who you are as people. And I, and the fact that you're on this precipice of brilliance and that things will only get better from here. I think it's, I, I just have so much, so much respect and admiration for the way that you have both handled things, but also for the way that you've sort of turned negative situations into positives at every turn through that action and that stillness sort of combined that dichotomy that I think lives inside of you in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Thank you. I, it's, yeah, I mean, I know that there are certain, there are things that we had to let go of and the reality is, is if it's yours, it will come back and there will be situations where we'll be presented with opportunities again. And when we're presented with those opportunities, it will be able to decide in that time if it's right or not. And so letting go of something that you work so hard to build is an emotional, it's an emotional thing. And I think initially we were so focused on getting through, solving complex problems, making decisions that we would be able to live with for eternity. The story is far from over. This is just, this is really a new beginning. And this beginning has the possibility to be even better than the original version that we set out to do. I think that now we can reach more people and we can do it in a way that has the integrity of how we started. And we're lucky, we're grateful, we're thankful that we were among the ones that had that, that choice because not everybody had that choice. Intersection of grief and joy is something that I see in you in this journey through the business. And I think the grief over what was, but the joy over what will be. And as you said, the fact that you're reaching so many more people, the fact that all over the world, there are people who are exercising, who are moving their bodies and who are feeling stronger as a result of you and of Barbell is is a pretty incredible thing when you think about where you started in, you know, one studio to see how much it's actually grown and to think that Barbell could go global, maybe not in the exact circumstances that you thought it would, but what a, what a cool trajectory for the business. It is cool. We're in 
24 plus countries now. It's so crazy. Sometimes we'll get these signups from Abu Dhabi or actually the UK has been a growing market for us, which is really, really cool. We didn't anticipate that it would that it would happen that way, but that is the reach of social media. So that's that's cool that we've been able to tap into places that we never really thought that we would get to. There was a moment in time where I think we felt cautious to allow ourselves to be excited and joyful about what the future held because we were in a way mourning the past and and having to let go of these these things that we worked so hard to build, these studios. And and so we're in a good place now because we do feel excited and we feel joyful. And I think we we're really trying to race the car and put the wheels on at the same time. And now it feels like like the car is in one piece and we're in the driver's seat. And it's also exciting to learn to learn a new business because it is really dynamic and it's fast and it's changing. And it's all of the things that I really loved about my past career and in television. So it's kind of funny that I started out in media and I've ended up now, and now I'm like a co-founder of a digital media company, but we didn't expect it to go that way. The squiggles that life leads you on, I think is always wonderful. Mm -hmm. This has been such an amazing conversation. I really, really appreciate the authenticity that you brought to this conversation and the vulnerability that you brought to this conversation and the copious amounts of wisdom that you just laid down. I don't even know how I'm going to find one or two quotes to pull out because they were all just so great. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. And you're always just a delight and uh, a pleasure to talk to. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to be a part of our growing community. It honestly makes me so excited to know that other people are listening and enjoying these conversations as much as I am. If you have a moment, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts really helps us to get in front of more people and I'd be forever grateful. Either way, until next time, be kind.